0: Thank you, Pastor Joel and Miss Jamie and all of you guys. If I've never had a chance to meet you, raise your hand. If I've never met you, go ahead and raise your hand. Let me just say, all right, wonderful. Listen, if we haven't had the privilege, uh, we'd be happy to shake your hand and say hello to you and tell you that, tell you that we love you. And uh, you can turn me down just because we're going to have a little feedback. It's pretty good there. And so, uh, you know. I'm not one of these that need to hide in the back to protect the anointing. It'll be okay. We'll shake hands and tell you we love you. All right. so praise God. We worked 17 years at local churches, and so we love the local church, and we're happy you're here tonight. Now tomorrow we'll have a a different uh, message. You know, I just had something on my, my heart to share with you tonight. This is Saturday Night Church. We might as well have a good time. I'll tell you... If I was here and y'all and, you know, and and know, this is the service you had, I, I love this, man. This is so awesome. I'd be here with my coffee, listening to the Word. Glory to God. All right, so how many of you have your Bibles? You know, times have changed when you say, how many of you have your Bibles and everybody holds up their device, right? How many got your Bibles? Wave them, make the devil mad, right? Still got some good ones there. I can see the real thing right there in the middle. I've still got mine, too. But I carry this just for convenience. Your pastor, uh, their, their family is very special to us. Uh, we've known them for uh, many years, and uh, we've had a lot of interaction here. So it's an honor to be here. Met with the worship team today, had a good time. And uh, so we'll have a good time tonight. Uh, your pastor's been teaching on, I believe, uh, the subject of faith, right? Can you, uh, Terry, come turn this down for me just a little bit, if, you, if there's a volume on it. Just a tad. Not much. Not much. But just a tad. That's perfect. That's excellent. So he's been teaching on the subject of faith. So I thought tonight I would uh, talk to you about what I call a couple of friends of faith. Friends of faith. Let's begin in Romans 15 and 13. Friends of faith. Paul writing in this particular epistle. He said, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Notice it doesn't say, now the God of despair. Aren't you glad? Now the God of all discouragement. (laughs) Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing." So I want to talk to you about walking in joy, walking in peace, what I call two friends of faith. That will give you, uh, that will sustain you. Joy and peace will sustain you along your journey of faith while you are believing, right? So we understand that in reality uh, joy produces strength in our lives. It's, it's like, um, you know, we say joy is the fuel that keeps the motor running. You know, you have to have fuel in your tank if you're going to stay running. Joy is the fuel that keeps the motor running. And so it does produce strength. That's not and I'm not talking about a mere soulish emotion now. I'm talking about a spiritual force called joy. It's resident within the recreated human spirit. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the latter part of the verse, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. So there is a supernatural strength that comes into the life of the believer through the fruit of joy. And of course, joy is a fruit of the Spirit as well as peace. Galatians 5.22, notice these are fruit of the recreated human spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, now I'm an old King James guy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, so forth, All right. So we know that joy and we know that peace are resident, if you're a born-again Christian, they're already in the recreated human spirit, they're fruit of the Spirit, right? And then also, we're told in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, notice what Paul said. He gives us what we call three attributes of the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. That means it's not mere matters of external observance, although that is involved. But he said, the essence of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now notice the progression, righteousness, righteousness, because when you know that you're in right standing with God, everything's okay through the blood of Jesus, you are accepted in the beloved, man, that gives you a sense of peace, doesn't it? And then that peace, of course, gives way to the fruit of joy. So these are attributes of the kingdom. And, and if they're attributes of the kingdom, then they certainly should be attributes of the subjects of the kingdom. I mean, there's no need as a born-again Christian to walk around uh, swallowed in fear and anxiety and frustration and, you know, an old mully-grub face, that's not the life we're called to. That's not the Christ we serve. That's not the spirit we have within us, right? Our kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. It is a kingdom of peace. It is a kingdom of joy. Can you say amen? So Paul, writing over in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4 on this subject of joy and this subject of peace. Because once again, these are friends of faith. Uh, you're not going to have strong faith if you're not walking in joy and peace because the alternative is fear and anxiety. <laughs> and it doesn't work, right? So, he's writing on this subject, Philippians chapter 4. Now notice in verse 4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So let's just stop right there. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, in case you didn't hear me the first time, he said, let me repeat myself. Rejoice. Now, a couple of other translations say, All joy be yours at all times. All joy be yours at all times. Another translation says, Always be happy in the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. This world we live in, all the stuff we deal with, and the Word of God says, All joy be yours at all times. Always be happy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Right? How in the world is that possible? Paul said, well, I'll tell you. Right here... In verses 6 and 7, he said, now, this is how it's possible. Are you with me? He said, be careful for nothing. Now, I did a study in the Greek on the word nothing, and it means nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. That passes understanding will keep your heart or your thoughts and your mind or your heart and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Uh, I like the uh, I didn't give this to you uh, in the booth, but no problem, I want to quote it to you. It's, I think it's the, the living Bible of the same verse. Notice it says Don't worry about anything. Right? Same verse is different version. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything tell God your needs right and don't forget to thank him for the answers if you will do this the word of God says you will experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand his peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus man then of course the amplified version of the same verses says don't fret don't worry. Don't have anxiety about anything. Now, the word fret comes from the English word fretten, and it means to devour like an animal would a carcass. You know, worry, fretting, anxiety, it will eat away at your sense of well-being, your peace of mind, your joy, right? So Paul said, listen, Joy is going to be most realized and experienced in the life of a Christian. Joy and peace, who has learned to live their life free from care, free from worry. Now, now he didn't say free from responsibility. He didn't say free from the necessary disciplines of life. He didn't say free from the adversities and the persecutions and the oppositions that come. He said free from the care of them. Now most Christians would agree they'll sit here tonight, amen Brother Marty, don't worry. But they don't even know what worry is. How many of you know what worry is actually? Worry is when you meditate in a negative direction. So we say, uh, when you meditate, we as Christians we we uh, advocate meditation because it means to reflect and rehearse, reflect and rehearse. Listen, right here, it's like you take a a, a tea bag and you put it in a hot cup of water, right? And, and let's say you dip that tea bag one time, very little flavor or the color of the tea is going to be absor- absorbed into that water, right? Meditation is like that tea bag. You have to dip it over and over and over like you have a need, perhaps one area of need for uh, healing or peace of mind or you're battling fear. You go to the Word of God, you find a Scripture that pertains to your area of need, right? And it doesn't have to be an arsenal. Just one will do the, the trick. But you get that scripture. Surely He bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases and my pains. The chastisement of my peace was upon Him and with His stripes I am healed. You get up in the morning with your coffee and you dip that tea bag. You say it, you think about it, you thank God for it. You just dipped your tea bag. Now, at lunch on your break, get it out again. Say it again. Read it again. Thank Him for it again. You just dipped your tea bag again. At night, before you go to bed, dip it again. And you do that over and over for a week or two weeks or so until all the power that is resident within that living Word of God is absorbed into your human spirit and produces the very thing that it carries. Alright, so that is meditation, reflecting and rehearsing in a positive direction. Worry is doing that in a negative direction. Right? Constantly allowing your thoughts to focus and to rehearse all the potential uncertainties of life. Man, what if this happens? What if that happens? I don't know what I'm going to do. All oh, this, this issue with the family, this issue with the job. You're rehearsing. You're dipping your tea bag, but it's carrying the wrong substance. Right? Instead of release, releasing faith and peace and joy, you're releasing anxiety, fear, and so forth. Right? So Paul said, don't worry. Why? Well, because that carry con- it carries consequences. Right? It opens the door, once again, to fear. That's alright, everybody right here, they can take care of business. Right? It opens the door to fear. And when fear enters, then quite naturally, you know, fear enters through the doorway of the mind. Did you know that? Through the thoughts, exactly how it enters. And once it enters, then that fear begins to to displace your sense of confidence and faith, and it impacts your peace, and quite naturally, it impacts your joy. So Paul said, don't do that, right? And and you know what amazes me is um, Paul wasn't sitting in a a nice hotel with breakfast in bed when he wrote the Epistle of Philippians. He was in prison, man. You know, he was in a rough place. So basically, if we had to sum it up in a modern phraseology, these particular Scriptures, it would just simply be, don't worry, be happy, right? Turn to your neighbor, say don't worry, be happy. Some of your you might need to turn to your spouse and say it. <laughs> don't worry, be happy, right on. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. So once again, once again, Paul is not you know in a comfortable place when he's writing this, and, and what's amazing is, is he was no stranger friends to adversity to persecution. I mean, the Apostle Paul had a lot going on. I don't know if you've ever read his personal testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, 23-28. through 28. I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. And uh, I want you to listen to what he said. He said, now look, he said, I've worked harder, I've been jailed more often, I've been beaten up more times than I can count. <laughs> I've been at death's door time after time, I've been flogged five times by the Jews' 39 lashes, I've been uh, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in an open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes, at risk in the country, at risk in the city, and, excuse me, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery, hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal blasted by the cold and naked to the weather. And he said, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. And man, you think you've had a challenging month or year. Listen, I I don't think any of us have endured the totality of what the Apostle Paul endured. But man, I love this guy's attitude. Acts 20 and 24, he said, listen, none of these things move me. I'm going to finish my course, and I'm going to finish it with joy, right? And the ministry which was given to me from the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel uh, of grace to the Gentiles. So Paul said, listen, I have learned, and it is something you learn.'" I've learned to celebrate my Christian faith. I've learned to live with a sense of joy and peace in the midst of the most uh, amazingly difficult and challenging circumstances at times. Well, good for you, Paul. Praise the Lord. Right? You want to give us some insight on how to do it? He said, I'll be happy to. And you know, God doesn't just give instruction. He gives the how-to. Notice in verse 8, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, notice what Paul said. This is what I've learned to do. He said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. Now notice, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, somebody tell me the last phrase. Think on these things. Paul said, you want to know the secret to life and peace and joy? He said, you've got to learn to think properly. You've got to learn how to focus your attention properly because whatever we focus our attention upon, whether it be the negatives or the positives, is going to impact our hearts Our sense of joy, our sense of peace, our sense of faith and confidence. Paul said, man, I've learned to think properly. I've learned to focus my attention properly. How many of you know the devil wants your attention? Oh, man, he wants our attention because he knows our attention is directly connected to our joy, our peace, our faith and confidence. So he's always saying, whispering in your ear, Think about it. It's so bad. What are you going to do? Talk to your friend about it. Feel it. Look at it. May I have your attention, please? It's so horrible. Your future's a mess. This. Your kids are going wild. It'll never get better. Your marriage is this or that. Listen, may I have your attention, please? And man, you got to put up the hand. Just like you would to somebody and say... Talk to the hand. You may not have my attention. Because I know my attention is connected to my peace, man. And my joy. So I'm going to make sure I keep my attention on the right things that promote faith, that promote confidence, that promote joy, that promote peace. There's plenty of negativity in the world, folks. Right? we got to choose to take uh, charge of our thoughts, harness our thoughts the reality is you can't have an undisciplined mind and walk in joy and peace an undisciplined mind's like an undisciplined child unruly bad habits no boundaries right headed for trouble so the undisciplined mind's the same way you have to have boundaries right and some people say well i can't control my thoughts now that's that's not really true Oh, really? You know, because listen now, if I had a special helmet that I could come over here and I I could, you know, I could put it on your head while I'm preaching and all of your thoughts were projected up on this screen while I'm preaching for everybody in the room to see, I wonder if you could control your thoughts. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you can. It takes a little discipline and it takes a little, uh, you know, practice. But if we're going to walk in peace and joy along this journey of faith, then we're going to have to what? Have a disciplined mind. We're going to have to harness these thoughts and focus them properly. So Paul said, I've learned to focus my attention properly. Well, what did you think about Paul? He said, well, and if you and I read the epistles and you think about the Word of God, he said, instead of dwelling on all the negativities and the persecution I'm enduring and the situations I'm in, instead of letting my thoughts be engrossed in those things, I lift my thoughts above. And he said, I just start thinking about the internal realities of Christ. Man, who I am in Him, who He is in me, he said, I think about the fact the greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. I think about the fact I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am ready for. I am equal to, amplified version, anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses His inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in His sufficiency. Paul said, I think about the fact that man thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. When I pass through the waters of adversity and difficulty, He will be with me. When I pass through the rivers of adversity, they will not overtake me. When I walk through the fire, I will not be burned, neither will the flame kindle upon me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Who can be my foe, he said, when God is on my side? For I, he said... Uh, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature will be able to separate me he said from the love of god he said i'm persuaded those are the things that paul focused his attention on now we've got a choice guys you want to live full of anxiety and fear and down and out, let your mind run away. The devil will feed you plenty but and, and listen, if you've been on that track for a while, it'll take some discipline to change it. and we all understand that you know uh, and I'll get there in a minute, but we have a choice on what we focus on. I'll tell you something else Paul thought about. You know it was Paul that penned the words in second Thessalonians isn't first or second, four, 16. He said, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, should the Lord tarry, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, frighten one another with these words. Is that what it says? He said, comfort one another, man. He said, I take comfort in the fact this life is temporary. It is a momentary segment of time in your journey of eternity as a Christian. And he said, listen, man, I live my life with an eternal perspective. Any sorrow, setback, persecution, difficulty that I may encounter in this life is in reality light and momentary in comparison to the eternal blessedness that is awaiting me on the other side. And Paul said, man, that comforts me. It gives me strength. It gives me peace. I'm living this life with an eternal purpose. I don't sweat the bumps in the road. I'm not going to let life destroy my sense of peace when I know this is temporary, that's eternal, and Christ is in me, with me, and for me along the journey. Whoa, devil, get under my feet. Because that's where you belong, right? And this is real life, people. God wants us to live in the realities of the kingdom. Joy and peace. But we have a part to play. So, so he said, man, I think about the hope of heaven. I think about my eternal reward. How many of you know you're living this life for the one to come? If you don't know that, you need to realize you are, right? So Paul said, when I get to the end of this journey, there is a reward waiting for me. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus said, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is what is with me. To give to every man according as his work shall be. So you should look forward one day when that trumpet sounds, and I really don't believe it will be too long, you know, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, you and I will be changed in a twinkling of an eye with a mortal body to an immortal body, and we will be caught away, the Bible says, into the the realm of heaven. And when we arrive there, there will be what they call the great tribunal of the church. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. Now, don't let that name scare you judgment seat of Christ because your sins have already been judged on the cross through the blood of Jesus and you have been declared not guilty. Right? This is a place where our works are evaluated. And the Bible says, and you can read about it with Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, now listen, anything you've ever done for the kingdom of God and for people. Because you love God and you love people. That's your motivation. You love God, you love people. Then, he said, those works will be evaluated and you'll be rewarded for it. Anything that you've done for personal agenda, for the accolades of men, from your personal pride to be seen of men, that will be what the Bible calls wood, hay, and stubble. And it will be burned up in the fire. You're still saved, but there's no reward with it because the motivation was wrong. You got it? So none of us want a bonfire at the judgment seat, right? No. So, and you say, well, I hadn't done anything. Well, you got time. Get busy. Be a blessing to people. Love people. Serve in your church. Uh, you know, go to the hospital. Take a meal to a neighbor. Give an encouraging word. You know what I'm saying? Love people. Love God. Be a blessing to the kingdom. And when it's all said and done, there'll be a reward waiting. So Paul said, That's what I'm living for, man. I'm not just living for this life, right? It's not all about the here and now. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, I think it is. He said, I fought a good fight, I finished the the course, I kept the faith. And because I have, he said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Now notice he said, and not to me only, thank you brother, but to all those who love His appearing, right? So there's a reward at the end of the journey. That ought to give you a sense of hope. Amen. Man, you guys listen good. so Paul said these are the things I kind of think about now let me tell you this because you want to know an enemy what I call an enemy to joy and peace that's always looking back looking back to the past man everybody has the potential for personal regrets Uh, we've all made mistakes I don't know anybody in this room that's done everything perfectly correct if you have uh, we'd like to give you Starbucks coffee or something. Because I know not every... (laughs) That's a great reward. I love Starbucks. So, you know, nobody's done everything perfect. And people have a tendency to look back, man. And they always allow the past mistakes and, and, you know, the whispers of the enemy about your past to rob you of your present joy. You can't go back. The past is the past. I always tell people, you can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Right? You just got to just gotta move on. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, he said what? Forgetting the things that are behind. Reaching forth unto the things that are ahead. Uh, and he said, I press, I press toward the mark. So, you know, leave the past in the past. Brother Hagen, who was a man I traveled with 11 years, uh, followed his ministry for about 30. He said, listen, the past is the past and should be forgotten. The future's bright. And that's what you have to look to. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, the past is gone. The future's bright. (laughs) Amen. You say, well, Brother Marty, I've made so many mistakes. I feel like I took some wrong turns. I've used this example before, but it bears repeating. You know, I travel a lot. I used to take that GPS system with me. Now I've got my iMaps on my phone. But you know how it is, you get in there, after you get out of the plane, you get in the rental car, and then you put in the destination, and then most often a little woman's voice comes on because the women are better with directions. And then uh, and, and then they'll come on and she'll say 1.2 miles, take the motorway, turn right, you know how it goes, you use your GPS. Then sometimes I'm in large cities like L.A., New York and different places. There's a lot of traffic, even in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live, a lot of traffic, man. And so, you know, you've got a turn coming up, but there's so many cars. I've packed for miles to turn, and so you can't get over. I've learned now, don't put your blinker on, just take it. Because otherwise they won't let you in. But anyway, so, you know, sometimes I've missed my turn. And then she'll come on and she'll say, you have missed your turn. Well I knew that but I couldn't get over. But then she says the most awesome thing she'll say one moment please recalculating right and she'll give you an alternate route and to get back onto the original route how many of you know God's more merciful than a GPS system right You may have made some wrong turns, taken some wrong turns. He'll, you just say, Lord, I want your best from this point forward. He'll say, one moment, please, recalculating. And man, your life can be, uh, good, right? And you can have God's best. Don't you take no for an answer. All right. And even if you've had someone pass to the other side, I know Joel's grandfather, my mom and dad and so forth are gone over. Can I tell you something? If they died in Christ, they wouldn't come back if they could. I'm telling you right now. Uh, Brother Hagen used to tell us all the time, he said, man, as much he'd been over there several times and, you know, in visions and so forth. He said, as much as I love my family, he said, I didn't want to come back, but the Lord made me. finish my course, you know. But uh, it's a beautiful place. So, you know, hey, don't let that grief sting on you. All right? Now, let me give you some practical application. I'm not trying to keep you all night. How many of you give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let me give give you a couple of Scriptures. Let's look at Psalm 5 and verse 11. Psalm 5 and verse 11. Now, I'll tell you something right now. If you won't let this just be a message, but you'll take it home and implement it, it will absolutely change your life. Change your life. Change mine. These are things I've learned personally. I'm just passing it on. Right? Psalm 5 and verse 11. Let all those that put their trust in Thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because Thou defendest them. Let them also that love Thy name be joyful in Thee. Everybody say, be joyful. So He said, rejoice, be joyful. Let me give you another one. Psalm 32 and verse 11. Notice, be glad in the Lord. And rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. There it is again. Be glad, rejoice, right? Shout for joy. Let me give you one more. There are multitudes. Let me give you another one. Psalm 35, verse 27, isn't it? Notice the very first portion of the verse. Let them shout for joy and do what? Be glad that favor my righteous calls. Now we read three scriptures and there are as we say multitudes of others but in those what did we see? Be glad. Rejoice. Be joyful righteous ones. Now does that sound? Yeah, shout for joy. Does that sound like a suggestion? Is be an action verb? So it's a command. Righteous ones. Children of Almighty God, born again, filled with the Spirit, heaven's your home. Be glad. Put a smile on your face. Rejoice. Be joyful. Well, if it is a command, guess what? Now here we go. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now people don't like that because it puts the responsibility. On us. You don't know my life. Well, I don't know your life. We didn't know Paul's. But he said, Be glad, rejoice, be joyful, right? You might not can always change everybody around you, but can you, you can certainly change your attitude and perspective of it all and let let yourself live in peace and live in joy, right? So he said, be joyful, be glad, rejoice. So that's a command, so it's a choice. Now guess what? Here we go a little further now. Not only is it a choice, it is here we're back to what we told you to begin with. It is a matter of focus. Right? Where's, where's our attention? Right? What are we focusing on? So here's the realities. Now this is just what you call psychology from a spiritual perspective. Every person in this room... Every single one of us. From the time you open your eyes in the morning till the time you lay your head down at night, every person in this room has taking place on the inside of them what psychologists call and we refer to as internal conversation. You've heard probably heard the term self-talk. Anybody ever heard self-talk? What does that mean? You talk to yourself all day, man. You've got this conversation going. It's inaudible. Oh, but it's going on. You talk to yourself about your husband. You talk to yourself about your wife, your kids, your job, your coworkers, your friends, what you have, what you don't have, what you wish you had. This internal conversation is our personal worlds and how we perceive them. And for many people, man, this internal conversation is very negative in content. Everything that's wrong with my life. It's like this song that plays on the inside. Uh, we used to say a record player, now we have to say CD or MP3, right? Uh, so you get up, the alarm goes off, track one begins, and for many people their song sounds like this, <gasps> oh God. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work. They don't pay me enough. My co-workers get on my nerves. I don't have anything to wear. My hair looks like last year's bird's nest. The kids are a mess. Look at the house. My husband doesn't treat me properly. My wife doesn't treat me properly. You understand what I'm saying, friends? Negative, negative, negative. And, and see, the, the brain can get in those patterns. And you have to break it and retrain it, right? So what happens is that negative internal conversation produces a mentality. And the highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality. <laughs> Absolutely. Ooh. So this negative mentality then begins to have an impact where? on your emotions, your joy, your peace, your confidence, all the negativities begin to impact that soulish realm, right? Your joy and your peace and your your faith and your confidence and and then those negative emotions impact the physiological body because they're all connected, right? So here's what you have to learn to do in life. And I did too. You know, I'm a musician. I'm a creative personality. Uh, you know, we're most, most often creative personalities are what you call melancholy, perfect personalities. Uh, they tend to be perfectionists, uh, at times. And then if everything is not perfect, you're, you're, you tend to vacillate in your joy and down, you know, depending on environment and situations. So I learned this as, you know, I was baptized in the Spirit at 18, came into the Word a long time ago, so I learned these principles and applied them. But I mean, I was a perfectionist, and I still like things nice, but man, I'm telling you, I bordered on maniac. I mean, I was born this way. I mean, the underwear has to be perfectly in the drawer, the socks, all the shirts must hang in the same direction, on the same types of hangers. I want all the flower beds perfectly de-weeded, manicured, the lawn, the the garage has to be perfect. I'm telling you. But can I tell you something? After a wife, mother-in-law, two kids, a cat and a dog, forget it. It's not going to be perfect life isn't perfect right and guess what i decided to do instead of getting all bent out of shape everything i decided i'm going to change tracks i'm going to sing a different song in my mind right so when the morning came and the alarm goes off instead of oh god say woo this is the day the Lord's made, man. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna be glad in it. Everything I set my hand today uh, to today will prosper. Glory. You say, Brother Marty, do you feel like that when you get up? No. You don't and this is something people miss. You don't always feel joyful, right? Uh but but here's something you need to learn. And this is a psychological and spiritual reality. Emotions are more powerful than reason. You know, a person can be in an unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship, in a bad habit that is destructive. All of the reason screams, stop, get out, change course. But the emotions many times associated with those things can override the reason. But guess what? Emotions may be more powerful than reason, but guess what? Action. Everybody say action. Action is more powerful than emotion. More powerful. Now, most people allow their emotions to be the governing mechanism in life. If you live according to the dictates of your emotions, which are produced from your mentality, your mouth, and your actions, then you're going to live life on whims. But if you will realize that action's more powerful than emotion. So, you may say, well, I don't feel happy. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like lifting my hands, Miss Terry, and worshiping God. I don't feel like it today. Right? I'm real. I'm not going to put it on. Well, you're real. Real carnal. Because, now let me tell you why. Because the Bible says, and God knows psychology. He created us. He knows how we operate. He said, put on the garment of praise for, or in exchange for, the spirit of heaviness. He knows that action is more powerful than emotion. And if you don't feel joyful, just begin to activate your joy. Activate it. Now you say, well, how do you activate your joy? That doesn't mean you have to be bouncing off the walls all the time, but there are certain things you can do. If that old depression tries to get on you, man, you just go. One of the things you can do, the Bible says you can shout for joy. What? Yeah, you've read the Scriptures. Shout for joy. Sometimes, man, I get in my basement in my man cave when everything's caving in, and it does in life sometimes, and I just lift my hands, and I just start shouting praises to God. Everybody shout hallelujah one time. Hallelujah. Shout it again. Hallelujah. Shout praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. And then I just get down there and start praising God a little bit. Talking about shouting, I'll tell you a quick story. I know I'm going over my five, but listen, I had a little dog. Well, first of all, we, one night, my wife and I came in from from a church service, and man, the minute I opened that door, I had what you call a, a, a burden to pray. You know what I'm talking—an unction, uh, and and sometimes the Spirit of God will. will unction you, or what we call burden you in Pentecostal circles, to pray. Now, you don't necessarily know who you're going to pray for, so you begin to pray, as Paul said, in the Spirit, which is in other tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, as the Spirit gives utterance. And if you don't know about that, someone will uh, cue you in, you know, as you go along here. That's not our emphasis tonight. But we begin to pray in the Spirit, my wife and I. And I mean, we pray 30, 45, 50 minutes, an hour. Then all of a sudden, many times, if you're in intercession... And you hit what we call a note of victory. That means whatever you were praying for, man, wherever they were, you got the answer. You prayed through, so to speak. It, it's done. And when you hit that note of victory, man, sometimes you might dance. You might shout. You might get happy. So we're in our little living room. And man, that note of victory hit me and my wife simultaneously. I mean, I, I mean, I was dancing. I was shouting, running around that little room. Woo! Glory to God. And I had a little dog, his name was Snickerdoodle. And Snickerdoodle was just laying, I guess you call it here, the Ottoman or poof, what do y'all call it? No, the Ottoman that you put your Yeah. He was just laying on the Ottoman man minding his business. And I don't know why I did this, but man, I was jumping and shouting, and all of a sudden I said, Whoa, like that, and I touched Snickerdoodle. God is my witness, man. <laughs> Telling you the truth. That little dog, he jumped up from the ottoman, he started running around the kitchen table. <laughs> I said, honey, look, that dog, the Holy Ghost is on that dog. I mean, he took off running. Everything in the house ought to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say, shout for joy. joy. Now, here's another one. You can sing for joy. I'm talking about activating your joy when that old heaviness tries to come. You get up in the morning or you get off of work and you get in your car. You can sing for joy. Now, everybody can sing. Not everybody should record. We understand that. But everybody can sing, right? So you might need to get up and get in the shower. I'm full of joy, and I got the victory. I'm full of joy, and I got the victory. That's about as far down as we fellas go, right? About right here. We kind of let the runoff get the rest, don't we, boys? Right? I'm full of joy, and you just keep singing, man. And if you'll keep, <laughs> if you'll keep singing. What you'll sense is the joy that is already resident. Right? You begin to stir it up. You don't have to get it. It's in there. You're what? You're stirring it up. Like you put chocolate in the bottom of, of a glass of white milk. Where does it go? It's at the bottom. And you've got to stir it up. Sometimes your joy settles to the bottom. And when it does, you can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. Amen? Now here's one of my favorite manifestations of joy. Is this helping anybody? And that's laughter. Does anybody like to laugh? Now, you know, how many of you know God created laughter? He did. It. Laughter, friends, is a gift from God. Every human being is born with the gift of laughter. Psalm 2 says, God's, He who sits in the heavens laughs. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the oil of gladness above His fellows. We understand the holiness of God. The awe of God, but also God is a joyful God. And He's full of joy. And He he created us in His image. So laughter is one of the manifestations of joy. In Psalm 126, and we're coming to a close, look what the Bible says. Then when the Lord, well in verse 1 it says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said that among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. Man, the Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. So, you know, is anybody in here like to laugh? I like to laugh at least an hour a day. Now you say, why? Well, be, first of all, it's good for you. Did you know laughter promotes healing properties in the body? Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, what does it say? A merry heart does good like a medicine. Medical science has proven when people laugh, it releases certain endorphins that promote well-being and health, not only psychologically and emotionally, but physically. God made us that way. So everybody say, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Have y'all ever had Mark Hankins around here years ago? Now some people think he created that phrase, ha, ha, ha. But he didn't. Uh, you know, we were at Winter Bible Seminar one time, I'll just tell you this real quick, we were at this Winter Bible Seminar, that was a big seminar, Kenneth E. Hagan how, how many of you have ever heard of Kenneth Hagan? raise your hand, a lot of you have, some of you haven't, but anyway, he was a wonderful man and minister, and I used to travel with him and we, we would have these Winter Bible Seminars, and there's was about 8,000 people, uh, in that particular, because that's what all we could seat, the Colosseans were 15 to 20, you know, but this was 8,000. And so, man, we had a real outpouring of the Spirit. This was back in the 90s. And I mean, people were blessed. They were laying out under the power of God. Some people were laughing and dancing. That is a genuine move of the Spirit. We understand there's excesses, but that was a genuine move of the Spirit. And so, here we are on national satellite television, 8,000 people, I'm the praise and worship leader. So I'm on the front row and here, I mean, it's been this outpouring and then Brother Hagen looks at me over the microphone he says, Brother Marty, do you have a song that will fit in here? Now he always told us, you know, as the prophet, if you sing the wrong song at the wrong time, it will kill the anointing. Now who wants to be responsible for killing the anointing in front of 8,000 people on national satellite television? I didn't. So this great man of faith and power, I responded very confidently, no, sir. I said, no. (laughs) Well, I'm the praise and worship leader. I said, no, sir. So he looked at me and he said, well, you will by the time you get up here. Man, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of steps up to that platform. Thank God all the way up, man, I'm going, Jesus, 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 give me the song, you know. Give me the right song. And all of a sudden, these words started bubbling up. Remember that? We've sung it. It's a ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Now, i would never heard these, these words just came up out of my spirit. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. And, and man, the band came up, the singers came up, and I don't know why it came out like this, but it came out like one of those old tavern drinking songs. <laughs> and we started singing and they started playing, and it was, you know, ha, 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 he, 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 hey, Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey, I resist you and you cannot stay. And I mean the band started playing, the singers were singing. 8,000 people started singing that and swearing. <laughs> And I don't mean this disrespectfully uh, because it is a scriptural term in Ephesians 5.18, but the more we sang that, man, the drunker we got. And I'm talking about in the Spirit. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk. Filled with the Spirit. How many of you know God never intended for you to go through this life sober? (laughs) He said, now look, don't be drunk with wine. Same principle, different substance. Be filled, be intoxicated with the person, presence, and power of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Say it one more time. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. So it just seemed good to me tonight as we, as we kind of leave, just to have ourselves a good laugh. What you say? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you don't even have to have a sense of humor to laugh. Now, some people think it's irreverent to laugh in church, but it isn't, friends, because Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 3, notice what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes, I think it's Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Yeah, 3-4, there is a time to weep and there's a time to what? Laugh. There's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance. So there's a time for everything. This is Saturday night, man, we might as well get happy. Right? Have yourself a good laugh. You don't even need a sense of humor to laugh. Right? Everybody's born with the gift of laughter. Now you might have to prime your pump. You know, the joy's in there, you might have to go, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. (laughs) You just prime your pump, you'll get over there. Right? Why? Because the joy's in there right so you say well we're gonna laugh that's right what are we gonna laugh at well i got some i got a suggestion over in job 5 and 22 and i'm gonna give you some jump starters don't worry i'm gonna help you prime your pump but at destruction and at famine now i understand the context of the verse but this is just a good rule of thumb tonight if you need something to laugh at Instead of letting the devil get you down, get you discouraged tonight, at destruction when it looks like everything is falling apart. Destruction. When it looks like famine. That means it looks as though, hey man, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. I don't have enough. Instead of what? Worrying, fretting, having anxiety. Why don't you do what I do? I just get my checkbook out, put it there on the desk and go... Just laugh at it, do you really? I sure do. I'm telling you the truth. I've laughed at my checkbook before, and then I've watched God just fill it back up. Amen. As the as, in His faithfulness. So at destruction, you know, my mother-in-law. She lives with us. Been with us 18 years. Hallelujah, and she's a blessing. She really is. But she's lived with us 18 years, and she's what you would call in America, country come to town. You know what I mean by that, man? She's from the deep south, so you've got to have some, some uh, what do you call interpretation for her colloquial expressions. So one time before she lived with us, we'd just gotten married. We're trying to get some financial things in order, and so I'm on the phone asking her to pray and agree with us, Mom. I need to get some things turned around, so forth and so on. So uh, we're, she prays, and and then you know it's financial in nature, and so. She's about to hang up. She said, now honey, one thing about it. I said, what mom? She said, they can't eat ya. I said, what? She said, they can't eat ya. That means eat you. Uh, she said, they might can take the truck and take the house. They can't eat you, honey. You'll live for another day. I don't know why that blessed me, but I just went around. They can't eat me. They can't eat me. You might need to remember that at bill time, man. Just look at your husband or your wife and say, they can't eat ya. Right? Look at your neighbor say, they can't eat you. <laughs> so listen, we're just going to laugh a little bit, is that alright? You know, my wife and I, we tried for eight years to have babies. They said, you have unexplained infertility. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with her. Unexplained. So, you know, we did all the testing and everything, this is unexplained. So we just laughed. Ha, ha 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 ha! Now that's not all we did. You understand that, but we did laugh, right? And you know, in the process, <laughs> in the process of time, God blessed us with two precious little girls. Now they're 12 and a half and 11, and they're a blessing. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in your minds. Eye. I'm going to lead you in laughter. Now they led you in praise and worship. I'm gonna lead you in laughter. Don't get religious on me. Right? I just don't think that's right. Well, it is. This is a time to laugh. Some of you need to laugh. I mean, it's been too long since you've laughed. So you might have to what they call prime your pump. You remember those old hand pumps? You know, you pump it a little bit until you get a gusher going? Ha 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 me long because I stay over there. But you just prime your pump. So I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at that's been bugging you. I don't care if it's fear, depression, finances. Now, if they're in the room, don't look at them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just get it in your mind's eye. Right? Don't stare at them. <laughs> right? But I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need <laughs> Something you need to laugh at. I got something I'm going to laugh at, and on the count of three, I just want you to haul off and laugh at the devil. It beats crying, doesn't it? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Now get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. All right, I got, (laughs) I got mine. Are you ready? One, two, three. just can't help it oh <laughs> oh lord have mercy oh. you know laughter's contagious laughter creates laughter oh lord have mercy I always bring me some jump starters to help people. You know, when I was raised in the Baptist church, we had what you call, we had bulletins. You know, where they make announcements, you know, they write it. And how many of you know sometimes they make misprints in there? Like this one said, Don't let worry kill you, let the church help. <laughs> oh, Lord, people say, I don't know if I want to laugh at that. I like this one said uh, said in the bulletin, it said, uh, The sermon. Sermon tonight, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I like this one said, uh, now some people get a little nervous about this, so I asked the Lord. He said, it's all right. Said, uh, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon this evening, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Oh Lord have mercy oh lordy I like this one said this this being Easter Sunday we're going to ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar oh Lord have mercy I like this one here's one for the road said uh Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. <laughs> 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 oh Lord, ever! Those things still crack me up. <sighs> oh, somebody say ha ha ha, <laughs> he he he, hey. hey! Now, what you gonna do when you get home? You're going to watch what's going on up here tomorrow morning. Right on Monday and Tuesday. Pay attention. Because uh this has a lot of influence. Right? And if things get in your way and start troubling you, man, just sing your little song. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Everybody stand up. I'm going to sing this.